Welcome to the What's Really Up podcast, an unfiltered podcast where we're keeping it real about the challenges of life. I'm your host, Brianna Hobson. Now let's get to it. Let's shake some shit up now. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of What's Really Up. This is your host, Brianna Hobson, once again. And for today, I have a pretty vulnerable topic. And I'm sure you've read the episode title, but if you haven't, I'll reiterate it again. And today's episode is going to be about why I blocked my dad. And so I know starting off, that topic kind of sounds super crazy or may sound abnormal. Um, But of course, I have a quote to share with you all. And the quote that I have for today is family is determined more by behavior than by blood. And I'll read it again. Of course, it's family is determined more by behavior than by blood. And before I get into this all the way, I first and foremost just want to say thank you to all of you that listened to my previous podcast episodes. If this is your first time here, hello, welcome. You should have been here earlier. And if this is a reoccurring episode for you, then I just want to say thank you for your patience. I've been playing around a little bit with my microphones and kind of sound in areas that I'm filming. Um, So I just want to thank you for being here and just being patient with me um, as I learn through this process and as you're supporting me through it. So thank you very much. But also for those of you that listened to my last episode on that's not your friend, that's your enemy. I want to say thank you to you all as well for being vulnerable and sharing some of your stories with me. And I think it was very shocking to see kind of the responses that you all had because it seems like we've all had pretty shitty friends. And (laughs) I hope that we haven't ever been in the spot where, you know, we were the shitty friend. But it seems that, you know, we've all had these experiences where our friends turned out to be somebody that we thought that they weren't um, kind of the hater friends and so I want to say thank you for everybody for sharing in that vulnerability with me as well because it made me feel like I wasn't in that boat alone but more so kind of getting back to today's episode topic again it's why I blocked my dad and I want to kind of share a very vulnerable moment with you all as well um, just once again as I usually do And the reason that this is pretty near and dear to my heart, because it hasn't been something that's been two years, it hasn't been three years, it's actually something that has transpired within the last four months or so, where I kind of finally came to the decision to block my dad. And my dad and I, we've had a pretty rocky relationship, I'd say, since I was kind of little. I've always been um, a mommy's girl, always kind of rooting for my mom, and so I wasn't very much... I wouldn't say interested, but I wasn't very much, you know, always like daddy's girl, I want dad. That wasn't very much me at all. And so our relationship has been one that's kind of changed sporadically, kind of presented itself in new kind of disguises a little bit over the years. But I think that it finally came to a head and that's where the ultimate decision for me to block my dad was. But just to give you guys a little bit of backstory of kind of the relationship between Um, my family dynamic at least is when I was growing up my dad how I viewed in my eyes was somebody that was always you know very hands-on we played hide and seek he was kind of like the fun parent you know whenever we wanted to you know do an activity or go outside he was always the one that we can count on he was in the military so there were moments where he was deployed and we were um, with my mom and where I, I recognized that things once were 
not as sugar-coated and perfect as I thought they were is I would say about seven or eight years old uh, and I won't get too much into the traumatic details but there were moments where my mother and father would always kind of argue and throughout these verbal arguments they were often you know verbal but they also turned physical at a point and I remember kind of this one traumatic moment where my little sister she was one years old going on too soon and my older sister I can't remember exactly at that point how old she was but my parents they were arguing in the room and we started to hear kind of banging around and so me and my older sister we went in the room and what we saw is my mother had my one-year-old sister in her hand she was screaming and she was crying and at this moment my father um, had been physically abusing my mom while my little sister was in his hand. And so I remember my older sister grabbing my little sister, giving her to me and saying, go run, run to your room. And then I also remember, you know, her trying to break it up to the point where she kind of couldn't. And then she ran into the room and we locked the door. And in that moment, I just remember my heart beating and thinking, oh my gosh, I'm so tired of this. You know, how could he? I remember feeling devastated and almost like backstabbed that he had done such a thing. And this wasn't the first time of physical abuse that this had happened. I would say this was probably the first time that I had physically seen it, acknowledged it, and really knew what was going on. Um, but this was absolutely something that was traumatizing to me. And I remember thinking, mom, like, please, let's just leave. I want him out of here. I don't want to be around him anymore. I remember just feeling so disgusted. And the next day I actually had a field trip. And so it's actually every time I tell this story, it kind of tears well in my eyes because as I go back to that little girl that I was sitting on that bus seat, going on my field trip, I was sitting by myself and the tears were welling in my eyes as I was playing back in my head over and over and over again this moment that had happened the night before and trying to just put on this face like everything you know was fine and so that was kind of like a very climax point for my father and I's relationship where I kind of started to despise him and I almost took on this role as the protector like I needed to protect my mom and, and I remember feeling like oh my gosh I'm so little I can't do anything I, I can't help mom. And so I remember kind of this resentment, this anger building up even then. And there was another moment where I had actually looked through my dad's phone. One night I was staying home uh, alone with him while my mom went out to the store. And I remember that I was always so upset every time that my mom went to the store because I was like, you know, why won't you take me with you? Where are you going? Like, again, I was always a mommy's girl. I had my little high heels, Cinderella shoes on. I was ready to go. And so I remember this night being so upset because I had to stay at home alone with him while my mom and my sister went to the store. And so during this moment, I noticed that he kept laughing. And so I'm like, you know, why do you keep laughing for? You know, what's so funny? And I remember getting on his phone. And when I looked through his phone, I saw him communicating with another woman. I went through his phone after he fell asleep because I was just wondering, like, you know, the movie's not that funny, so what the hell could be so funny? And, you know, Inspector Gadget me at, like, 10 years old probably had no business, you know, working a phone, being on a phone, looking for, you know, cheating or whatever. But I remember seeing him communicating with another woman and cheating on my mom. And then I, of course, you know, Miss had my mom's back. I actually went and and told her this, and I said, you know, mom, I need to talk to you in your room. And I told her this, and I was kind of shocked to hear her say, you know, I know I'm dealing with it. And so maybe you know I'm fast forwarding this story a lot because you know that is really not the premise of this episode. But I wanted to give you all kind of a backstory so you can understand where some of this 
hurt and maybe some of you all can relate to some of this trauma and some of this pain that I've that I've sat with for years um, to understand ultimately how it kind of led up to this moment. And so I remember talking to my mom and then maybe like a week or so later they sat us down and you know they were like we're getting a divorce and I remember being happy about it because I was like you know finally there will be peace in the house there will be a moment for us to you know not have to hear arguing every single night there will be a moment for us to really you know not have to be in this toxic environment and I think for so long that my mom, you know, her aspect was, you know, I want my children to have a two parent household. I want them to have mom and dad. And so that was one of her main reasons for staying. Um, But I think at the same time, there was a moment that maybe she didn't recognize how um, the two parent toxic household was almost creating the same, if not more damage than it would if they were separated. And so as we kind of go along with the story, of course, you know, more stuff has happened down the road that kind of has transpired with my dad and I's relationship. But what I began to notice is as I started to get older, my dad and I, we started to kind of get more distant. When it became my decision to really decide if I was going to see my dad or hang out with my dad or speak to my dad, I always kind of had a a little bit of a hands-off approach. I really didn't like spending time um, at my dad's house. I just felt like it wasn't very... It wasn't very healthy. He just, I felt like because he didn't spend a lot of time with us, he had a hard time relating or parenting us. And it was kind of stuff that we weren't used to. Like my little sister would, she would go and she would cry because, you know, he yelled at her and she's not used to having that type of parenting. And so it almost felt like it was very frustrating sometimes to go and spend time with him. But again, that's besides the point. And so I think that I remember hearing so often you know, that's your family, that's your dad, but that's so-and-so, you know, that's your blood, you can't, you you don't treat somebody like that, but, but that's so-and-so, and that's your dad, and this and that, and this and that, and I got so tired of hearing that, and so when it became my decision, and I really kind of grew up and grew into my own, and I was making all of these boundaries and these standards for how I would let a man treat me, and how I would let, you know, my friends treat me, and I know um, if you've been here for you know, all of my episodes and you'll hear me talk about this very traumatic relationship I was in and kind of that breaking point for me. And I almost kind of, it was very hard for me and my mom to talk about that relationship that I had. And because for a moment when me and my mom talked, we looked at each other and and she said, you know, it's so painful for me to watch you go through that because you saw me go through that essentially with your dad. And I wanted nothing more than to protect you from that. And so that was kind of like strike one for me. And I was like, you know, Okay, that was a little bit of awakening. I never want anybody to treat me like that again. I'm never going to go through that again. But then as I started to look at the people that I was dating and the history that I had, and I I always make like a pro and con list. You know, if I broke up with somebody, I would say, okay, well, this was the pros of them. This was the cons of them. As I looked at the cons of the list, you know, I saw like narcissism, aggressiveness, substance abuse and I as I started to look at these trends I was like holy shit I have been dating my father and I initially it was like a light bulb went off but I almost wanted to crack the light bulb because I was so disgusted because for somebody that I wanted to be nowhere close to dating somebody that I you know a husband that I would never want to marry he's kind of like the furthest example you know, sorry if you're listening, Dad, but I, I guess, I don't know, I'm, I'm not sorry at the same time because it's how I feel and 
I, I believe that everybody's entitled to their own feelings. But anyway, that's besides the point. But when I looked at him, he was the furthest example from a man that I wanted. And when I realized that I was dating those that were like him, I had to take a moment and look at the baggage that I was carrying within myself. And I always say that when people show up to a relationship, both of you kind of have your own luggage bag that you're bringing along. And if you haven't healed that inner trauma, if you haven't healed that inner child that you have from the outside, then you're going to bring it right on into that relationship. And so I think it kind of brings me to the point where I'm at now, where I'm in this space of where I'm single. I'm not talking to anybody. I don't want to talk to anybody because I'm in a space of healing. I'm in a space of communicating with that inner child. But when I got to this point, I had to look at my inner self and say, okay, Brianna, what is with in you that you have not healed and so I ended up writing a letter to my dad and I did an exercise where I was like okay you know what I'm just going to take a piece of paper I'm going to get everything out and I'm going to just plaster everything that I that I have inside of my mind I'm just going to let my hand write for me and when I got to writing this letter and I looked at it and by the end it was like five pages long I was devastated because there was so much anger that I was holding inside of me. There was so much pain that I was holding inside of me that it was almost unbelievable. And everything that I thought that I had dealt with, I thought that I had healed from, I recognized that it was still sitting right inside of my body. And so when I recognized this, I recognized also that there was a conversation that I needed to have with him. And I think that when I went to have this conversation with him that I really wanted to be honest. I wanted to be truthful. I wanted to kind of get what I felt I was owed, like an apology or some type of come to Jesus moment with him. Because, you know, I noticed that my sister had tried this a couple of times and it hadn't really worked out for her. And I don't know why I thought that, you know, whatever I was going to do was going to be different. But I think for a moment, I really wanted him to just recognize maybe the pain that we had been through, that at least for myself that I had been through. And I wanted him to take acknowledgement for it. But not only that, I wanted to see him change. And so I almost kind of had this fairy tale expectation of how I thought that this conversation was going to go. And so I remember him calling me one day and from this point, you know, where we were right now is we talked occasionally, but it was very superficial. And what I mean by superficial is we would get on the phone and be, you know, hey, how are you doing? I'm great. You know, how's work? Well, you know, work is work. I'm busy. How are you? Da, 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 da. Five minutes we get off, we get off the phone. And so I started to feel like almost it was him more so checking a box and, you know, saying, oh, you know, I talked to her a month ago or I talked to her two months ago rather than really talking to me, hearing me, and we're developing or building upon some relationship. And maybe part of that was me with not really being directly honest and not really saying everything that was on my mind because almost whether I recognized it or not, every time I talked to him, I was holding a piece of myself back. And so when we got on the phone this day, you know, it started off with a typical superficial conversation. And then, you know, I said, you know what, I've, I've, I've been hearing some stuff from my sisters, you know, in regards to, you know, you, you know, you say that you're done drinking and, and really, you know, you're not because you're calling on these drunk rampages because you would call my older sister kind of go on this drunk rage and kind of just go on about how 
you know, whatever he was complaining about at that moment, but it was something that was hurtful to me because in one of these drunken rages, he had said to my sister, you know, I have my children who are almost 30 years old calling me and telling me that they forgive me. And I just laugh at that because forgive me for what? And so it almost seems like he's a master manipulator. And what I saw from him is that, you know, when he's sober, when, you know, he's putting on this facade of who he wishes to be, he's a completely different person. But when that taste of alcohol gets to him, it's like you see a different side of him, almost where you have to clean your glasses. And I'm like, oh my gosh, are you really this, you know, mean? Are you really this awful sometimes? But I I, I wanted to talk to him because I really wanted to understand why he felt that that was something to mock or why he felt like that was something to excuse. And so when I talked to him about it, it was almost like everything was just very narcissistic. He couldn't take accountability for anything, whether that be the pain that I felt, whether that be for some of his actions that he did. And it's like, instead of just kind of being the bigger person, recognizing where I may be hurt, he spent the entire time arguing back with me about little things that may have not been right, may have not been correct. And it's almost like I couldn't get through to him at all. And so I remember that as we start going on this conversation and at this point, you know, I'm very vulnerable. I've opened my heart up. I'm talking to, you know, about some of the deepest pains that I've had. And I just feel like he's not hearing me. He's not understanding me. But more so what I recognize is I had a flashback and I recognized, oh my gosh, you are the same person from 10 years ago. And this whole time, I feel like I've been seeing you for what I wanted to see you as versus what you really are. And I think that that's another thing that I have to say twice. I've been seeing you for what I wanted to see you as versus who you really are. Because so often, whether we're in a relationship or whether it's our friends or whether it's a family member and they're doing something to us and we don't like, especially those of us that have a good, loving and caring heart. I think that so often we create this perspective, we create this reality of someone, of who we want them to be and how we want them to act versus seeing the actions that they're showing us directly in front of our face. And so when I saw the actions that he was showing me directly in front of my face, I was disgusted with it. And so I remember getting off the phone with him and, and I, I said, you know what? Well, great. We don't ever have to talk again. Fuck you. And I hang up the phone and I remember sitting in such a space of just low. Like I was low. I was bawling my eyes out. I literally had felt like I had taken my heart out, put it on the floor, and then somebody had taken a lawnmower and rolled right over it because it was for a moment It felt like everything that I had been bottled up for like 10 plus years, these feelings that I've had, I finally kind of got to the space where I wanted to express them. I gave it to him. And it's almost like I had created this expectation of everything that I wanted to see be the outcome, that my outcome was going to be that he was going to understand me. He was going to apologize and he was going to be this perfect father and he was going to change. And I had created this new reality in my head instead of accepting for what was really there and so I think I because I had such an expectation when the outcome actually happened I was so devastated because I just I honestly thought that it was going to be different and so I took a moment and I looked at myself in the mirror and I saw little Brianna and I saw me there in that moment when I was crying in the mirror I saw me crying when he was abusing my mother And when I was looking in the mirror and I was crying, then I saw him crying when he was yelling at me and telling me, you know, stop crying before I give you something to cry about. And then I had this shame and I didn't want to cry. 
And when I was crying in the mirror there, I saw myself crying, feeling as if the divorce was all my fault. And when I saw myself in the mirror there, I saw myself crying when I was a little girl thinking, what did I do to deserve this? Why am I not good enough? And all those feelings started to arise inside of me. And I had to take a moment to parent little Brianna and say, you know what, Brianna? It's okay for you to release this emotion. It's okay for you to cry. It's okay for you to feel how you feel right now. But then I looked in the mirror and I said, you know what? Nobody gets to treat you any kind of way. You have these standards for how your friends will treat you. You have your standards for how men could treat you. But how are you able to make this list for how everybody is supposed to treat you? But the person that brought you onto this earth, the person that is supposed to give you unconditional love, the person that is sitting closest to your heart, takes these standards and steps all over them. Why does he get an exception? And at that moment right there, I decided I had had a fuck enough. I'd had enough. And so I took my phone and I blocked him. And so I'm not even going to lie that several times I'd say over this kind of process, the, these months, maybe I've thought back and said, you know, was that the right decision? Was I being too harsh? And then I remind myself of those times that I was in such pain. I remind myself of those times where I had tried to talk and the door was shut in my face. I remind myself of those times where I, I was absolutely hurt and where I had to pick up the pieces for me. And so there are times where I feel a little bit of guilt and I feel a little bit of sadness, wishing that things could be different. But I think for me, for me, the most important thing is recognizing that you don't get to treat me any kind of way, whether you're my family whether you're my father, whether you're my uncle, whether you're my aunt, whether you're my cousin, you don't get to violate the boundaries that I have put forward. Nobody does. And again, knowing inside of me that I love myself more than anything, I love myself more than the pain of having to reopen a wound that's half healed every time we get on my on the phone. I love myself more than having to know that basically this phone call is serving as a superficial checkbox for him to, you know, talk to his girlfriend and say, oh yeah, you know, I talked to the girls a week ago. I love myself more than that to have somebody telling me that they love me, but every action that they have shows differently. And so hopefully Maybe, I won't even say hopefully, maybe at some point when he changes and he evolves himself into fitting into my standards and my boundaries of how I wish to be treated, maybe, just maybe, we might have a relationship. But for me, I blocked my dad because it was a chapter that needed to be closed. It was a wound that needed to be finally healed. And I love older Brianna. I love little Brianna. I love middle Brianna. I love past Brianna. I love future Brianna. I love Brianna that I don't even know yet more than to allow that pain to continue to hurt me. And so I share this with you all again because I believe that in sitting in vulnerability, I may be able to connect to some of you out there who maybe experienced this type of pain, whether it be from your mother, your father, you know, an aunt, an uncle, somebody that was close to you and your family. And, and those of you that are tired of hearing, but that's your blood, but that's your aunt, but that's your father, but that's your mother. And those of you who are tired of hearing the meaningless excuses for their behavior to tell you that it's okay to take control of your life. 
life to make the decisions that you need to make for yourself, for your own well-being, for your own sanity. You're, it's okay for you to make those decisions. And don't let anybody make you feel like it's wrong for you to do that as well. Because at the end of the day, you have to have your own back. And so I hope that this touches somebody that may be dealing with this or has dealt with this or that needs to heal that inner child within them that needs to look in that mirror and say, you know what? I got your back. If they don't have your back, I got your back. Because at the end of the day, we have to love ourselves more than anybody else can love us. And so, of course, you know, I finished kind of a heavy episode again (laughs) with a laugh for your ass. And so for today's laugh for your ass, um, (laughs) I have this one. What should you do when your tooth falls out? Ready for the answer? Call a substitute. (laughs) Okay, I have one more. Why was everyone mad at the screw? Because he screwed up. (laughs) But again, thank you for listening to another episode of What's Really Up. I'm your host, Brianna Hobson, and I'll be back with you again. Toodles. And this concludes another episode of What's Really Up. I'm your host, Brianna Hobson. Thank you for tuning in and thank you for your time. As always, make sure that you like, subscribe, and comment. I also invite you to join whatsreallyup.com where you can stay up to date with our latest episodes, view any of the products that I've mentioned, and join in on community discussions. But most of all, buckle up because I'll be talking to you again soon for another episode of What's Really Up.